I know you're out there. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. Connecting the dots of the Constitution for you like no one else can. The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's an attorney, a disabled U.S. Army veteran, an author, public speaker, mother, pastor's wife, and a patriot. She's Chris Ann Hall. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Show. Chris Ann Hall here, K R I S A N N E H A L L dot com. Liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. I have with me my husband and co host, J.C. Hall, where we endeavor to bring to you Monday through Thursday and a double dose on Saturday of the current events the way you ought to hear them with fact, not fake, truth, not agenda. Constitution, not propaganda. And this is day two of our Constitution Week. Yesterday was Constitution Day, but uh, this is Constitution Week. You know what's what's crazy is it's always Constitution Day here at the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal and the Chris Ann Hall Show on Saturday. But because we have the attention of the American people today, Uh, maybe more so than other days, we're going to always be dedicated to the Constitution. But there's a couple things that are happening in the current events uh, aspect that I want us to look at from a real constitutional perspective. And today happens to be kind of like this power of the president day. Uh Uh-oh. I know, right? Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. Well, you know, it really depends on how you look at it, JC, the whole uh uh-oh thing. Do you want a king or do you want a president? I don't want either personally, but yeah, <laughs> speaking constitutionally, we're supposed to have a president. Yeah. Right. So what we Not have, right. But, but what we need to be are a people who, who have a proper perspective, who want the proper kind of government. And I'm going to tell you, you can be, I'll just give you permission to be you out there. A Trump sycophant <laughs> and still want proper presidential power. I'm just saying, I think that keeping the proper presidential power perspective is sycophant what? a bad name? I mean, is I that was a just derogatory say, comment? Doesn't sycophant mean like blind support of a person no matter what? So, how could I don't know that you could support. How could you be those things simultaneously? Uh, well, Support gonna ex- limited power. I'm going to explain that to you. Okay. Okay, so that's my whole point. I like Donald Trump where he does the right things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then I don't like Donald Trump where he doesn't do the right things. Because to me, it's not about the person. I don't like or dislike. Right. I, I kind of like Donald Trump, actually, the person for the entertainment value. Yeah. Yeah, he's better than the Emmys. Yeah. <laughs> 
by the way, um, you know, we had that amazing award show. And the thing that I took away from it, um, I didn't watch it, obviously, just scanned through the news today. Um, I assume. Apparently, there was a big Jesus bashing session on the stage. Okay, see, I thought, remember, <laughs> remember you sort of, you saw it in the, like, pass in passing on the TV that the it was going to come uh-huh. on. And I said, oh, yeah, you know what's coming. It's going to be a big anti-Trump fest. But it was an anti-Jesus Well, show. there was an anti-Trump <laughs> in there as well, a big Republican bash. It's just... He like, said, I thought it was about movies, right? Yeah. Isn't the thing supposed to be about movies? No, it's it's actually a political fundraiser. No, but I'm saying <laughs> Emmys. That's Isn't that an award? Because I, yeah. I mean, I literally don't know. That's that's a movie person award, right? It's it's an award show. I don't really know. Like, I'll have to look at it Kind of like the Oscars. Like, or is it music? Uh, I don't know. I don't keep up with these things. Maybe yeah. it's music. But anyway, it's it's some sort of form of performance art, let's say uh-huh. it that way, that they're supposed to be giving awards for. So why does it always have to turn into... Politics, excellence, and and all recognizes excellence in television. Okay, so it's the TV awards. Yeah, it's the TV awards. Yeah. (sighs) So yeah, so apparently recognizing excellence in television is um, bashing Jesus. Yeah, see, that's why people don't like these stars. It was race baiting too. Yeah. Yeah, that's why people get aggravated. These stars. Because remember the the. uh, celebrities, uh, the athletes, and the Kaepernick thing, and all this sort of uh-huh. stuff. And uh, so, I don't know, or somebody else at the time, and they were like, I guess it was Laura Ingram got attacked because she said, she basically said, you know, play your stinking football. I don't want to hear about your political right. this and that. And right. people were like, oh, you know, I'm not going to shut up. I have rights. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. This and that. And so she was slave master silencing the slaves or what have you. <laughs> but it, it's the point, it's the point of the fact that. It's it's a product, right. right? So here is a product. I come for a certain reason. It's not that it's not that you don't deserve to have a political voice and have your opinion. It's the fact that I paid for one thing, and you are abusing this relationship by inserting something that I did not pay for. You know what I'm saying? I'm right. not there for that. Right. Right. Well, apparently so I, I, that's the, what aggravates people. Apparently the. The uh, African-American host said that his grandmother doesn't watch white award shows because white people don't thank Jesus enough. Ah. And so, uh, so you, you had to slip in the whole race thing in there as well as the ant. And then they went on this so this whole anti-Jesus thing. So they took us. that as an opportunity to mock. Christianity. Right, exactly. So, so he just set race it up. And, and Christianity all at the same time. Yeah. yeah so yeah. he just set it up. And yeah. Then, right. Yeah. You. So it was written in the script, apparently. So. Sure. Yeah, right. Well, they're all a bunch of lemmings anyway. <laughs> they're going to say, you know, whatever, right. whatever the daily right. mantra is. Right, right. Hillary Clinton wrote, a daily, uh, wrote an article in the uh, Atlantic. Uh, that was published uh, yesterday, no, I guess not yesterday, it was published on, my goodness, what day of the week is this? This is Tuesday, it was published on Sunday, and uh, so she gave a lot of talking points for what's going on, and and I want to go through this, we're not going to do the Hillary Clinton article today, because she does a lot of referencing to the Constitution and to the Founders, Sure. <laughs> in her article, obviously because I guess the next day was Constitution Day, so she had to get her spin on it. But it was really, really 
from a constitutional perspective, very offensive to me. And obviously, it was all about bashing Donald Trump. Yeah, well, it's, that's the thing to do. That's the sort of lefty thing to do nowadays. So mm-hmm. it's this an a, appeal to the Constitution mm-hmm. uh, in such a way that uh, attacks Trump. It, it's still all centered on Trump. It's still Trump derangement syndrome. Well, but it, it wasn't even an accurate, obviously, an accurate depiction of what Constitution means or what our founders said or, or anything like that. Well, so, I, I will say again, I, I, I do not cease to be astounded at the political gravity of this man, of yeah. Donald Trump. He is, he is the Jupiter of the political solar system. He just <laughs> draws everything to him. Everything these people do and say he is at the nexus of of all their all their reality now. Yeah. It's astounding. Well, he, they, to me. he scares the mess out of him, uh, out of them, and because he is he is he is uh, politics unleashed. You realize that he he is not the status quo. He doesn't go by the script, and so for the first time in decades, you have someone in office. Who who has a limelight? I will say that because there have been people in office before. You've got you've got Ron Paul, who has been, who who doesn't follow the status quo, who, right. who scares the mess out of him. But he never really got the limelight, right? Yeah. So if Ron Paul had ever become president, you you would have seen the same things. Maybe not to the same degree because Ron isn't as as verbally socially unleashed as Trump is. But I I believe they would be just as terrified, if not more terrified, by Ron well, Paul because they'd have less real blatant ammunition. Yeah, you have well, to admit well, Trump creates a lot of his own well, uh, no ammo. Doubt, no doubt. But you now you did see with Ron Paul the greater threat he became, the more they targeted him. Yeah, well, because he became a martyr then sure. because he isn't Donald Trump, right? But I... um. Yeah, so I, I, I he, he's the first guy in the long time in in decades that's actually been in the public limelight that that doesn't support establishment. And when you say establishment, that means both sides these days because they're yeah, both well, on the same I, I, they're both on the same agenda. I think you could say he doesn't he doesn't support any any one uh, group or ideology with consistency. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you can find him. In agreement with the establishment, in agreement with the non I mean, he, so he's all over the place. He's not, yeah. he's not an ideologue. Well, and his, so that's why I think he, yeah. he frightens the entire system mm-hmm. because, y- you know, for them, you have to plug into one or the other. You have right. to fit in because you understand it's all this. It's all one sort of uh, sort of play. It's all one uh, one single theater. And, and there are only so many parts, right? And he doesn't have a part. He doesn't fit in their script. Right, right. So but they don't know where to plug him in to keep both re- the both the Republicans and the Democrats, they don't know where to plug him in to keep their agenda moving forward, right? Because right. no matter who's in power saying what, government grows regardless. People's liberties are limited people, regardless. Yeah, I wonder if people actually recognize the fact, and I'm saying not Chris Ann Hall show people because I know you guys do, but how many of your friends and neighbors actually have had the the realization cognitively, I mean, and, and actually, that government has never stopped growing? Yeah. It well, never stopped growing. It doesn't matter who, even under the Reagan administration, the government grew. Yeah, I was just 
talking to a couple guys online, one, one guy from Germany, and it just struck me that it's pretty much everybody's opinions that opinion that politicians stink worldwide. It's like yeah. nobody. So I think people have have a sort of innate recognition on some level of 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 the problems and how messed up it is. But but the one thing is so many don't seem to know what to do or know that they can do anything or have any direction. That's where, I mean, that's why we do what we do and right. where what you teach comes right. in is you're saying, hey, the Constitution and, and the principles of liberty, that's the solution. And and so we try to, you know, we try to teach that. You try to share that. You try to get people to understand well, and, and equip actu- people to yeah. fight back. I had a discussion on Twitter the other day with some socialists and I actually got them to agree that politicians are corrupt and untrustworthy. And I said, well, then how is it that you believe these wicked people should be in control of everything? You've already admitted that they have no moral center, but you want to give them all this power. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Don't you love, just love that hypocrisy, right? Uh, When a socialist will admit to you that they have no trust for politicians, that they have no trust for people in power, yet they want to give power to those people to, to rule over our lives because these wicked people they don't trust are better off with the power than we are as individuals. What I don't trust is cell phone batteries. I get, I'm so tired of this cell phone battery. Not holding a charge. But nonetheless, here we are. And I'm trying to explain to you out there how, how actually you can, I won't say sycophant because maybe that's too far over the edge, but you can, you can love Donald Trump m- more than the average person. How is that? You can love Donald Trump more than the average person and still be in favor of limited power. Because here's the thing. Everything that comes against Donald Trump uh, you will have to admit, love him or hate him, inter- it, it interferes with his ability to do things. And when he does things that are not within his power to do, that just gives more avenue for attack. So if he only has, if you, if you think of a piece of, uh, of a pizza, right, and a pizza stuck, cut up in eight slices, if he only has two of those eight slices within his realm, then he can't be attacked for the other six. Yeah, so you're saying the less he does, then the less he's able to be attacked. Right, exactly. <laughs> and here's the and thing. And the president is intended to be limited to very few Thank things you. in the first place. Exactly. And here's the thing. So the president in the Constitution pie has two slices. Congress has six. Uh-huh. So if the president is going outside of his two slices, the he's doing more. The court has a piece of pepperoni. Yeah, they have a, the court has the yeah the court has a you know, has you a couple pieces olive. of pepperoni. You get an olive, an anchovy. <laughs> we'll give the pe- we'll give the judiciary an anchovy. Okay, but so, unfortunately, that's been flipped, right? Oh my goodness! Because na- yeah. so now everybody yeah. thinks Supreme Court should have the whole pizza. 
Yeah, right. Matter of fact, they own the the entire pizza restaurant. Right. Or the, the the Supreme Court is the I mean, cheese that lays over everything to, into the grave. <laughs> right. But what I'm saying is, look, bunch of stinking frozen pizza. That's what we're being served. Yeah. <laughs> that's the problem. You remember this those? is not DiGiorno. <laughs> Our founders intended DiGiorno. <laughs> okay, we're done with the metaphor. <laughs> but my point is this. If, if the president stays within the realm of Article 2, then he's more efficient, he's more effective, and he's less of a target. But not only that, when you understand the proper delegation of power, then you can, then you can put responsibility where responsibility is due. And that's where you find the solutions. W- l- let, me, let me just say this very clearly. We are never going to fix, and I will use that word never, we are never going to fix what's wrong with Washington, D.C. as long as we refuse, to dis- we refuse to acknowledge where the real problems are. Do you feel like with successive administrations, the less the more Congress abrogates its duties and functions, the more the people seem to want a king. Absolutely. Well, you, you know, see it's sort that of developing? a yeah, like, but I think maybe are we headed in that direction. Yeah, maybe it's a chicken or the egg thing. I don't know. Does Congress get away with abrogating more because people want a king to begin with? You know, that that's that's part of the human nature that we're dealing with, the way we're kind of hardwired is, you know, I mean, back from from uh, biblical times when people said, no, uh, we want a king like everybody else does. So I don't know if that's not just simply a human nature thing, but and, and that's precisely why our Constitution was written the way it was written, because our uh, the designers of our Constitution knew the natural human nature tendency of the people was to was to gravitate towards a king, and so they wrote the Constitution in such a way to limit the power. And you can go through the debates. We I, I have a class at Liberty First University. Uh, about Article 2, the power of the president, where I outline the, the fact that our founders said, look, we understand that creating an office where the head of the executive branch is one person looks a lot like a king, and we know human nature makes them kings. So here's what we want to do. We want to make sure that this person, whomever they may be, will never have the power to be king. And one of the things that I want to talk about today is a headline on Fox News. Trump administration cuts refugee admission to 30,000. That's not his piece of the pie. As arrogant men tear up our constitution And from every direction we cry revolution Standing together and without permission Soldiers for truth in the war of attrition The love of our country As our The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist.
Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. And I and I wonder, JC, if somehow of this is is a little bit difficult to digest because we don't teach the Constitution properly. But what we have here is a headline: uh, Trump administration cuts refugee admission to thirty thousand. Now, depending on what political spectrum you're in, that headline alone will evoke great emotion, right? So if you're on the uh, traditional re- uh, Republican side, you're going to be like, yes, right? But you're on the Democrat side, you're going to be like heartless, heartless, you know, uh, wicked tyrant kind of guy. Well, I don't know what side I'm on then. I guess because my reaction is, hmm, I want to know more about this. What, yeah. is, what does this yeah. mean? So here's the thing. Uh, refugee admission is not the president's piece of the pie. Okay, so what we need to do is, uh, like I was telling, right, so what I was teaching at the River School of Government, the River Bible Institute yesterday, or last week, what I told them was, when you see this and you go, huh, you're dealing with the power of the president, right? So what is your first reference? Article 2. Article 2 of the Constitution. Well, if you look at Article 2 in the Constitution, you see absolutely no authority to do anything with immigration, naturalization, or refugee status. So what's the next source? It has to be still the Constitution, but where in the Constitution? Article 1. Article 1. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 4 of the Constitution establishes the authority and authority of Congress. Remember, Article 1 is the congressional power, right? right? Legislative branch. Legislative branch. And it says, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 4, to establish a uni- and uniform rule of naturalization. Okay? So Congress has been delegated the authority to create a uniform rule of naturalization. Now, what that means is, how does someone become a citizen? Mm-hmm. Right? How does someone become a citizen? Well, refugee is not a citizen. Got someone fleeing, fleeing some place in their land. So what we have now is a, a situation where where people are fleeing their country to come here. Right. So it's like a border issue. How do you get here? So what we have to deal with now is how do these people get here, and who says they can come or not? Well, this is not an issue that is deals with citizenship. This is not a deal uh, a, a situation that deals with someone becoming a citizen yet, right? So if they're here for a certain amount of time, then they have to become a citizen. That's the naturalization process, okay? So what this would be, and they're, I'm, I'm going to make some people mad. I'm going to make some libertarians happy, and I'm going to make some people mad. This is a state issue, okay? A refugee issue would be a state issue. Do we, how many people can we handle in this state that are non-citizens? Because the term naturalization as well as the term immigration implies a move to another country in order to reside there. Absolutely. To become a resident. Absolutely. So if it doesn't involve residency, citizenship, right. then it's not a federal issue. It's not a federal so issue. So refugee is basically temporary shelter. Temporary shelter, of yes. Of a foreigner in distress. Let's right. Say. So your state governors and your state legislators 
would be able to set the established law right. on how many do they we take them, do we, we take, take them, them or yeah right how, exactly how many right yeah okay and it has to be a matter of the state legislature because this is going to cost the people of that state money to deal with this and so the people of the state have to rec- to acknowledge that we want to have a humanitarian out, uh, outreach. We want to be able to help people. And so we're willing to allot a certain amount of our state budget in order to, to engage in this humanitarian service. That's interesting. It, it seems like then states could make, this would be a way that states could make laws to deal with a lot of what's going on and say, well, here are these people they're not here for citizenship. They're not here permanently. Right. Therefore, they're refugees. Right. And then they could build their laws around that. But then wouldn't there... It would, there would come how, a time... How do, you f- how do you figure out and separate? So then, then you have to talk about benefits that they're entitled to or not. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. Because they're not citizens, they're not entitled to benefits. Federal could the state confer benefits? No, the state cannot confer benefits because the whole purpose of a uniform rule of naturalization is, uh, according to James Madison, is to normalize the receipt of benefits, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. So what was happening during the Articles of Confederation where you had these different standards from state to state to state? So what you had was an an alien coming to live in Georgia. And the alien in Georgia uh, enjoyed certain benefits, right? So they received certain benefits of citizenship. Maybe they voted. Maybe they could run for office. But they weren't actually... Uh, recognized as citizens in North Carolina. So when they went from Georgia to North Carolina, they were expecting to have the same type of reception, the same type of benefits, but because they didn't, there was confusion. James Madison called it a, nas- a, a national embarrassment. I, I just thought of a, a, a problem <coughs> due to the fact that we left uh, fundamental constitutional principles. And that's right. the 16th Amendment, right? The mm-hmm. direct tax. And you right. have to admit that the 16th Amendment runs counter to constitutional principles, right? right? State sovereignty and individual liberty. So under the original framework, you had people in America that would come here and they're working, they're having right. jobs, and it's not a problem. Right Now... It seems to me in that scenario, if you say they're refugees, then the federal government or or any of it, the federal Mm -hmm. government now, just like they do in our lives, able to stick their nose in it. Because Mm -hmm. if you work, you have to pay federal income tax. Right. So you could almost throw that into the benefit category because it's tied. It's tied like that with the taxes or the federal oversight because it's tied into that. So yet it seems like yet another reason where leaving sound constitutional principles throws chaos and confusion into the process. Absolutely. Because how do you settle that out? Absolutely. So what we have here is a difference between citizenship and refugee status. At some point in time, the refugees have to be told, you will either become a citizen 
or you will return to your country. Right. There would have to be a sort of time frame right. or, or some, some sort of line out there right. uh, t- uh, to say, here's when you have to leave. Right. And that could be part of a federal power as the uniform rule of naturalization. Or like my old grandma, my old southern grandma used to say, you're going to have to pee or get off the pot. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. You can't just stay here and Granny Jackson had lots of good phrases like that. (laughs) I have several that pop in my mind. But anyway, so what we have is the federal power to create a uniform rule of naturalization, which within that uniform power to create a uniform rule of naturalization, which rests with which body? Uh, The Congress. Right, not the president. Here's the thing. Congress created an authority over refugees and then abdicated that authority to the president. Yeah. And what's crazy is the refugee, uh, the the refugee act, which which shifts all this power, which doesn't actually belong in the hands of Congress to begin with, to the president, actually gives the president the authority, the the unilateral authority, which. If you look at Article 2, presidents have no unilateral authority with one exception, and that's pardons. The only thing a president can do by himself without the Senate is a pardon, right? right. And so gives him unilateral authority to uh, determine the number of refugees, who they are, and where they come from. And one of, the, one of the arguments that Alexander Hamilton makes in the Federalist Papers as to why uh, the president will be different from the king, because remember the anti-federalists were like, whoa, this is a scary thing. You're making this guy, this president guy, look too close to a king. You're going to get a king over the years. Yeah. And Hamilton's like, look, we're writing this constitution in such a way that the constitution, when applied, does not allow the president to become a king. And so he, in the Federalist Papers, makes this thing. Here's the power of the king. Here's the power of the president. Here's the power of the king. Here's the power of the president. And he makes this distinction about how the power of the president is so drastically reduced that he doesn't even resemble the king. Which paper is this? Uh, 59. Okay. Okay. So he, he makes this statement about how drastically reduced the power of the president is, how he can never be a king. And then even in this paper says, look, even the governors of the states have more power than the president in this matter. And one of the clear distinctions that Hamilton made was that the president, uh, that a king can make denizens of aliens, but the president has no power to do that. That's a power reserved to the legislative branch. Mm. And when he says denizens of aliens, that means making citizens, right? And so what we have now is a situation in America where we don't understand what it means to be a citizen. We don't understand what it means to be an immigrant. We don't understand what it means to be a refugee. So all all those those things are conflated. Exactly. So now what you have are people, whoever they may be, coming to our country, receiving benefits of citizenship regardless of their status of citizenship. And because, like you, you're always saying, we have left behind the Constitution. We are, we are stuck in this political and social chaos because yeah. we don't understand the terms. And like so many other things, it goes back to Congress. Once again, yeah. here's an issue. Whose fault is it? Congress. As, Congress. as far as the part of government that's responsible, the part of government that's broken, and we we like to, and again, we've talked about this. Congress likes it this way because mm-hmm. now people can point the finger at at Donald Trump. You see this Trump administration right. is what the headline right. says. The Trump, Trump did this, but in fact, it's Congress's responsibility. Therefore, 
the right. problems with it are Congress's fault. Well, in actuality, it's a state responsibility because we're dealing with refugees and not people who are coming to be citizens. Now, here's, so, here's what somebody's going to say. I hear this in my mind. But, Chrisanne, doesn't the federal government have the authority to protect our borders? Yes, they do. From what? Invasion. Yeah. Are we asserting that uh, being a refugee is the equivalent of an invasion? So what we've got to understand here is that we are we are conflating terms because we have a a national ignorance about our our constitution and its history. Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. I'm here with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall, and we're talking about the Constitution. We're talking about the power of the president. And I don't want anybody to walk away, J.C., and say Chris Ann is arguing for open borders. Oh, brother. That's not what I'm arguing for. I am trying to present the truth of the Constitution in which the founders wrote it, and we simply don't teach it anymore. I'm sorry for my libertarian brothers and sisters out there, but that open borders argument is one of the most incoherent, unconstitutional, anti-liberty arguments that I hear made by otherwise intelligent people. It it entirely uh, turns the whole concept of property, which is at the heart of our liberty principles, on its head. Yeah, so I want to go into this last thing about limiting presidential power. Oh, you got one more thing. Well, by the I just wanted to mention that the Dalai Lama said essentially what my granny yeah, right, he just right. said that the other day. Right. Peter, get off the pot, right? He right. said, uh, he said, take refugees in, help them, you know, uh, minister to them, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and then send them back. He said, he said, the refugees at some point need to go back to their own country and rebuild their own country. Yeah, absolutely. So even even the you know the poster boy boy for peace and compassion, the Dalai Lama says these people need to go back to their own country. So remember now, if the president is exercising the power that has been properly delegated to him and no power more than that, you can't blame Donald Donald Trump for any immigration problems. You can't blame him for refugee problems. Now, here's the thing that uh, the other thing, Chinese uh, China had tariff hammer drops, Trump announces new duties on $200 billion worth of Chinese goods. Okay, let's look at this. Because, once again, what is our source? Our source is the Constitution. If it's the president exercising a power, Article 2. You can search Article 2. There is no authority in Article 2 for the president of the United States to engage in any kind of tariff, any kind of tax, any kind of stuff like that. So what we have now is we must go to Article 1. Well, this is Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1. Congress. Can I repeat that? Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes, duties, imposts, and excises for what purpose? To pay the debts and provide for the common defense and the general welfare of the United States, but all duties, imposts, excises shall be uniform throughout the United States. What that was was, hey, look, we can't have, we can't have 
the states establishing different levels of, of uh, tariffs, right? So foreign affairs, tariff is a foreign affair, and therefore it is a federal authority, and it must be uniform so everybody knows how the tariffs are supposed to work, right? Georgia can't charge a higher tariff to China than North Carolina does. Everybody's got to have the same thing. But this is not a presidential power. Yeah, I hate to say this out loud, but would this not normally, I mean, you're talking about a violation of separation of powers. Absolutely. So this would normally be an impeachable offense. It would be. The problem is Congress, somewhere back there is some law or some yes, congressional act absolutely. where they transferred this power yes. to the president, which that would be the original impeachable act. So it's right. actually those congressmen who did that initially should have been the ones who were impeached. That's right. That's right. And now here's the thing. There are people who are for the tariffs, the people who are against the tariffs. And regardless of where we are today, if we had never abandoned our constitutional principles, we have to understand that the designers of our Constitution expected that the bill, the bill to pay the federal government with, within its majority, come from tariffs. Yeah, and they initially used the tariffs to protect uh, sort of infant industry yes. in the United States to protect it, you know, until it uh, got on its own feet. So, so it's an inter there's a really interesting history of tariffs, actually. We have, um, we have a course at Liberty First University all about direct taxation. And in this course at Liberty First University, uh, the direct taxation class shows that the, the expenses of the federal government were supposed to be met by foreign tariffs, not so by the bill of the people. So can you imagine how different America would operate today if we just had simple understanding of the proper separation of power? You can love Donald Trump, but you can love him with limited power. And it actually relieves the criticism and the barriers to getting real presidential power done. God bless you guys. We'll see you again tomorrow. Happy Constitution Week. In sharing the blessings I received, let me know in my heart when my days are through. America, America, I gave my to you